Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Mr. Chauvin, as to count one, based on the verdict of the jury, finding you guilty of unintentional second-degree murder while committing a felony under Minnesota Statute 609, Point one nine subdivision two paren one. It is the judgment of the court that you now stand convicted of that offense. Pursuant to Minnesota statute uh, section six oh nine oh four, counts two and three will remain unadjudicated as they are lesser offenses of count one. As sentence for count one, the court commits you to the custody of the Commissioner of Corrections for a period of two hundred and seventy months. That's two seven zero. That is it. 10-year addition to the presumptive sentence of 150 months. This is based on your uh, abuse of a position of trust and authority and also the particular cruelty shown to George Floyd. You are granted credit for 199 days already served. Pay the mandatory surcharge of $78 to be paid from prison wages. You are prohibited from possessing firearms, ammunition, or explosives for the remainder of your life. Provide a DNA sample as required by law. Register as a predatory offender as required by law. And you will receive a copy of the order and also the attached memorandum explaining the court's analysis. Anything further from the state? If this needs to be decided, we just ask that it be executed forthwith. Defendant is remanded to the custody of the sheriff to be transported uh, back to the DOC or whichever custody is currently holding him. Anything for defense? No, All right. Thank you. We are adjourned. This is the Bastion News Radio Show on the Bastion News Radio Network, WCOM in uh, Carborough, and of course, IBM TV and uh, Big Mind Entertainment. I'm L.A. Bachelor. We thank you for joining us. You could have been doing anything in the world. You decided to be a part of this broadcast. We really appreciate you. 646-929-0130, the number to get in touch with us. Press 1 to get on the line if you have a question or comment. You hit us up there. Of course, uh, Pad Nation on Facebook or Pad Nation 2 at Twitter. You can make your comments known there as well. I want to bring in my guest to talk about this. Of course, he is the co-host of the UNI Law broadcast, the uh, broadcast about law enforcement uh, and their relationships and their uh, partnerships, if you will, with black and brown communities. He talks about this all the time. He's a chief of police himself. The show airs Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And he is uh, Chief Virgil Green. And Chief, always good to have you on, sir. We appreciate you. Hey, thank you, L.A. Always good to be on with you, sir. Absolutely. So you heard the Derek Chauvin uh, sentencing that came down from the, the judge, the judge talking pointing out the 10-year the uh, sentence added on, the two, 270 uh, 
month added on with the 150, essentially making it 22 and a half years. When you heard the the sentence, what was your thought in terms of uh, the officer, the family, and the overall picture of justice? Well, you know, LA, I think one of the what I took what I took away from it was the fact that, as you know, and everybody else knows, you know, no amount of of time will will comfort will I mean it may comfort the family to know that there is some type of justice for George Floyd. Uh, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, his life was taken uh, by this police officer in such a callous, reckless way. And and I believe his brother uh, may have said similar words when in the sentencing phase of, of Chauvin. Um, but, you know, it just it was just done in such a. A manner that there was just no regard for human life. I think you know, Chauvin would have probably treated an animal better than he would uh, George Floyd on, on that day. Um, you know, uh, again, I think it gives some 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 relief to the family to know that the the, the criminal justice system has worked in in this part. You know, there's still you know three other officers that are facing state charges as well as, you know, the, the, the federal charges. So, um, uh, you know, and for me, I think it was just to see that a jury, um, they looked at all the evidence they uh, on both sides, and they made a decision uh, based upon the facts of the case. And, you know, L.A., it kind of reminds me of, of – of, what was the people, what were the, the juries in the Rodney King verdict looking at 30 years ago? Uh, and you look at this, something just as similar, uh, but, you know, they didn't have their, their uh, they also didn't have his knee on, on Rodney King's neck. I mean, they were beating him with batons. So it just makes you wonder uh, how those two, similarities uh one got it wrong and one jury got it right well i mean how right did we did they get it um you and i talked about this once the you know he was found guilty and you talked about the family if they see this as real justice or the kind of justice we expected i know the prosecutors wanted a lot more time uh, yeah. And they didn't get they didn't get that. So uh, I I get the the premise of your comment in terms of from Rodney King to now three decades later. But and and both were in in similar fashions on TV. We just didn't have mm-hmm. as much social media then. But you know it, it, the way again on your show I brought up the arrogance and the boldness of some of these officers, these people who commit these heinous crimes, these fatalities that they, these murders that they just are very arrogant about who they are and you remember Derek was looking up like, okay, I'm doing this I dare anybody to stop me and I know the judge mentioned stuff about, well, I'm going to add this time because of the cruelty and the viciousness and, and the abuse of power on that, but one would still think is the way this man life was taken and they still don't want to show him the respect by passing this bill, still not passed, 
that is 22 and a half years enough. On top of it, the fact that if you take away that part of what the judge put on there, it really was a lot less than that. So did we really see real justice in this case? You know, again, I don't think we really saw real justice. I think you saw the a jury that uh, were that was unanimous in their decision, and the, obviously the judge, you know, he used what guidelines that he has at his discretion. And like you said, the the, the prosecutors wanted thirty years, and and he didn't go that far. Uh, it, it just kind of goes to show you that even the judge who sat there and saw everything, heard everything, uh, and he himself did not take it to the highest limit that he could have. And so that makes you question why he didn't do, why he didn't make the decision that he made uh, for the simple fact, and and, and, gotta... and and she too would to your point. I mean, cut you off. But if there was a unanimous decision, if they all felt he was guilty as charged, and they didn't, they didn't. I guess prosecutors and the uh, they decided not to push forth on the lesser charges. But but if they all felt he was guilty as charged, then why give him? I think it was ten and a half years or whatever it was. On top of it, it would have been that if the, the if I'm not understanding correct me, if had not the the judge added on the other twelve and a half or the twelve or whatever it was. And so if if these these so-called you know citizens of their peers, his peers said, yeah, this dude is guilty, yet they only sentenced him to that kind of amount of time, then how guilty do they really think he was? Yeah, and again, you know, I just go back to the the judge, his decision, you know, seemed like to to me, you know, he, the, the, the jury came back and they, and like I said, you know, made a unanimous decision. There wasn't any, any questions as to uh, Chauvin being guilty. You know, one of the things that, you know, I thought about L.A. was the fact that did the judge sit down with this jury and get this uh, his perspective of all these juries, what, uh, how they came to that decision, and moving forward, how will that help him, not influence, but help him make that decision based upon the law and what the prosecutors were asking for to sentence him to the maximum of, of 30 years. And it just appears that this judge did not do that. So it goes back to the the question of, you know, some people will say, or they have already said, you know, the 22 and a half years that he got was, was not uh, enough. And, but the judge made that decision, so it make it, you have to question why this judge didn't do the max, uh, because under the law he could have. And so, is is he being biased to a police officer that he saw himself 
kill a man, murder a man without any remorse whatsoever. Uh, that just, you know, there, there's a, it, it still goes to show you, LA, that there's still this part of the criminal justice system that is that's going to give bad police officers somewhat of the benefit of the doubt. And, instead of saying, this jury, this is what they're going to recommend, and this is what I'm going to, to follow through with. Because really, at the end of the day, to your point, uh, Chief Green, is that prosecutors tend to be worried about crossing police officers because they want them to testify, this, that, and the other, as opposed to judges where they are the overseers. They have the ultimate authority, even in a jury selection type of case, they can override in a lot of different cases to set aside decisions and things of that nature. So you're right. His, uh, his lack of abuse of power is going to be in question. It'd be really interesting to see what he has to say about that. Um, if, if any transcripts or anything or interviews or anything comes out or any leakage comes out in terms of why he didn't go the full 30 years with prosecutors, wanted him to 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 go i know the uh had the uh prosecutor's office attorney general's office and keith ellis wanted him to go that far it just it did not go if you're just joining us folks we talk with chief uh, virgil green of course uh co-host of you and the law on the bastion news radio network and uh wcom in chapel hill uh, chief let's break down the three areas or at least the two areas of where do we go from here? And let's start with law enforcement. So if Derek Chauvin gets 22 and a half, and again, going back to the fact that, hey, it really wasn't 22 and a half, it was really less than that, mm-hmm. um, then should law enforcement, law enforcement agencies, bad apples in particular, uh, be more concerned or less concerned based on the verdict and based on the sentencing that happened with Derek Chauvin in this case? Well, Elliot, I'm going to a- answer that question a-, a different way. I think depending upon what part of the country things happen with police officers uh, will determine how these how officers are ultimately uh, convicted or not convicted. Uh, I think some of the listeners may say, well, you know, it shouldn't matter. No, it shouldn't matter no matter where you're at. The laws that apply in, say, North Carolina are similar laws in Oklahoma or similar laws in, in, in California. Uh, but the jury... Uh, they're the ones that's that's given this this authority this wide authority to uh, to convict or come back. Police officers in this situation should really uh, look at the fact that here was here was a man who took the life out of another man, and no matter how you feel about black people or what other other race 
that was just pure and simple murder. And the fact that, you know, you mentioned this before, L.A., it was just like, hey, my hand's in my pocket, and I don't really care what any of you people are saying, and I really don't care what may happen to me because I'm the police. And so, right. uh, you know, I think police officers, you know, this goes back to the accountability. Um, but it, And also let me say this, L.A., I think what agencies had individuals in positions like myself and Chief Humphrey in as police chief, when you have an officer who has a pattern and a history of well-documented uh, policy violations, such as Chauvin did, I think he had somewhere up to like 18 uh, disciplinary complaints. There is no reason why he should have made it past the second or third. And so he, he, no matter – you know, we've talked about this LA with the 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 FOP and how they want to protect bad officers. Uh, I think as police chiefs, if you take this to your community and say, "I've got an officer who I can't get rid of because of a contract that the city has with the FOP and the bargaining rights," and so my hands are tied. And I think when you have some citizens who start putting some some pressure on uh, other individuals uh, that are policymakers, you're going to see some things that's going to change. But that's another thing that really needs to happen is that, you know, when it comes to these bad officers and they have just multiple after multiple disciplinary uh, complaints, uh, this officer, George Floyd, would still be alive today if Chauvin would have been uh, uh, terminated you know, on his second or third complaint. But, you know, if if the FOP, like you said, is if if people can't be, well, if good law enforcement like yourself or even lower ranks can't feel comfortable in going to the higher ranks to take care of this, how does any of this change? It, it, it goes back to a conversation I had on your broadcast with you and Chief Humphrey last week about not only the boldness and arrogance, but if, I mean, forget about the, the civil side. We'll talk about transparency. But if if the rank and file doesn't have confidence that their voice will be heard or they feel like they're going to if they say something there's some repercussions because you know Derek Chauvin's I'm making hypotheticals you know uncle is in the, the ivory tower then you know how does anything get done why would any law enforcement even with this guy going to jail 22 and a half and I don't know um chief you probably know better than I if he'll get time off for behavior. I know they gave him the credit for 199 days or something like that. Uh, so maybe he gets more. But if if that's the case, then why would we ever think anything would change? Why would any bad apples think that they will be um, get in trouble, even if they did what they did? Even if they did worse, they're, maybe they're banking on, well, it won't happen to me. Yeah, and you're right, L.A. One, and, you know, after the the death of George Floyd, 
just think about all the other uh, incidents that have happened since his death with police and, and, and in the black community. Not a single police officer uh, stopped to say, man, I just watched a, a police officer in Minnesota murder a man uh, with his knee on his neck. Um, let me, you know, he's going through uh, uh, some pretty serious charges. So let me kind of, let me, let me hold back. Let me change what I'm doing or how I'm acting or the way I'm responding to this, to this situation. You haven't seen that. And, and clearly, you know, we, we, we talked about this incident that happened I think on our podcast show last week, LA with, uh, with what happened in Monroe, Louisiana, with the Louisiana State Troopers and uh, Ronald Green, whose death was in uh, uh, in 2019. So much has come out after the death and how this man died, and you've got a group of state troopers who have collectively lied and, and, and gave false information as to the manner of this man's death, and so you've got a, a a segment of officers, and, and not all of them, but a segment of officers who feel like, you know, yeah, that's their Chauvin. He's going to get what he that's that's him. But for me, you know, I'm not worried about what I'm doing. You know, there, you know, we have this, and so uh, again, it just quite, it makes you be realistic and, and ask yourself, L.A., after the verdict of, uh, of Chauvin, what will change, if any, because you continue to see the, the patterns of police officers across the country violate people's civil rights and even murder them. And at some point, uh, it's just it's, there's no criminal charges that they face. I'm interested to know, Chief Green, what's been the reaction amongst your your colleagues, both black, white, whatever? Have you heard anything? Have you received anything on your your Unilaw Facebook page? Uh, no, we, you know, not a lot of comments about it. I think I personally, I've talked to uh, quite a few people, and 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 they were just as outraged as uh, as everybody else. Uh, they were they were expecting a guilty verdict, uh, and, and they were uh, kind of surprised that the judge didn't give the maximum amount of time. Um, but y- you know, again, I think you've got some officers, and this is one of the that really has to change in the culture of policing. Is that you just got some officers who just feel that. Chauvin just got the raw end of a deal. And, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you know, uh, George Floyd should have just got in the car. George Floyd shouldn't have had a uh, a counterfeit 20. George Floyd shouldn't have did this, and George Floyd shouldn't have done that. And why is everybody making him to be some celebrity? Why, you know, why are there, you know, uh, paintings of George Floyd everywhere? Why is there even a George Floyd, uh, you know, legislation? Be Why is his name even attached to it? You just got police officers who, in their minds, that 
anything that George, that's associated with George Floyd, George Floyd brought whatever happened to him, he brought it upon himself. And that's not the case. And, and that is what I'm concerned about when you have individuals who think like that. They are not personally going to change how their treatment of black people because this is the way they feel and they have a bias and until they cross the line and do something as what Chauvin did, um, they're just going to continue with their uh with 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 how they perceive things and, and you know, last week on our show Chief Humphrey made a, a comment that, you know, guys, we gotta realize these People that are in uniform, they're humans, and they make mistakes. But I, you know, my thing of it is this is a profession where, you know, we talked about this, L.A., this is a profession where mistakes just don't happen uh, yeah, because it's just like you going into surgery. If the anesthesia uh, doesn't get, get it right, you're not going to wake up from that surgery and he can say oh well i made a mistake uh, no you're man you're an expert so i put officers on that level as being an expert in public safety and you know what you're supposed to do when it comes to how you're supposed to treat uh people that you serve and protect if you're just joining us we're talking with chief virgil green co-host of the UNA law law enforcement broadcast here on the Bastion News Radio Network. It airs every Tuesday evening, 7 p.m. Eastern, Chief Virgil Green and Chief Keith Humphrey, uh, two uh, African-American uh, law enforcement uh, chiefs of police that give it to you straight, uh, no chasers. It's it just keeping it, keeping it real and calling out the bad when they need to call out the bad and call out the good as well, uh, which is a big part of the broadcast as well. Chief, let's focus in on the last half of this um, on the civilian side. And mm-hmm. you asked the same you you asked the same question. I asked the same question to you: Is when you look at the sentencing, the years that Chauvin received from the judge and the, the, the jury, is this a good thing or a bad thing in terms of race relations? In terms of uh, police? Uh, and communities coming together, black and brown communities coming together, or is this this number, this 22 and a half, going to further push the sides apart? You know, Elliot, and I'm going to say, I, th- I, be- I believe that I don't think it's going to push us further apart. Uh, I think you've got individuals who believe, and, and rightfully so, that he should have gotten – the maximum as to what the prosecutors uh, were seeking. Um, and, and it doesn't minimize the fact that the prosecution team put on a very good uh, case and you had a, a jury who was very educated and they they followed the evidence of what took place uh, in, in the murder of, of George Floyd. Um, but I think what is going to and I and I think what I'm looking for, uh, LA, and looking forward to is to see 
how the other three officers are going to be, uh, how their trials are going to happen. Even though, you know, Chauvin was the, the one who murdered George Floyd, how their cases will unfold. And ultimately, when the state cases are over with and you get into the federal trials, how uh, how will uh, – because he's still facing federal charges. And so just because he, he, he got to 22 and a half years in state court, that doesn't let him off the hook for what he may receive in, in, in federal – in a, in a federal trial. So, you know, I think that's something that really hasn't been talked about a lot in LA is the fact that he's still facing charges in, in federal uh, court. I mean, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that, you know, that, that will be added on. Um, and, you know, that I, I just the, couldn't see why I, I, yeah, I can't see why it wouldn't be LA because I think when you look at the, the the federal guidelines and and the civil rights violation, uh, you know, yeah, he got 22 and a half years in state, uh, but you know, let's say he gets, you know, on 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 federal charges, he gets he gets uh, an additional 20 years uh, on on federal charges, and and you know, fed time you you're doing day for day, you know, right. so uh, you know there there's there's a possibility that. Yeah, he does his 22 and a half years. He may end up getting some good behavior or whatever, and, and he gets out in, say, 15, and that 15 rolls over to another 20 years. So, you know, ultimately you're looking at he he could end up getting, you know, well over 30 years plus uh, between the state and the, and the federal charges. Well, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm hoping that that would be the case and that would be true, not only true justice, in my opinion, it's only my opinion, but also um, the system really working. And I think that's one of the things that civilians in the communities uh, chief, as you know, are concerned about, that the system works, that he has to be, if if there is a martyr for good, he needs to be a martyr for bad. He needs to be the face of, okay, bad bad apples in law enforcement beware because you can get the Chauvin treatment. You know, that that's really what it needs to, to happen. So what what do you see and and I would think too, Chief, it would be on an agency by agency basis. It's it's probably demographics it's probably a lot of different things. But what do you see in communities of color in terms of how law enforcement, or I should backtrack, how law enforcement and communities of color will police? Are we seeing what Mr. Biden is trying to put forth uh, with more police? I'm kind of leery of that and not more, um, you know, uh, programs uh, and, and less less police dealing uh, with mental illness, more so social workers. But, I mean, that's a whole different conversation for another day we can have. But what do you see law and local law, uh, law enforcement and these agencies doing different, if anything, in community policing or anything moving forward after this sentence was handed down? 
you know, I think this is, you know, definitely going to put more accountability and, and a spotlight on uh, how police chiefs handle uh, officers who have a, uh, a chronic history of, of disciplinary complaints against them. Uh, you know, the, the chief in, in uh, Minnesota uh, is still taking some some heat because, you know, he was aware of Chauvin's previous uh, complaints. Even though he had been a, he had only been a police chief for two years, uh, he knew who Derek Chauvin was. Uh, and so I think it's going to be one of the the things that I, you know, look at L.A. is the, how uh, administrators are going to uh, hold themselves accountable and hold their supervisors and their officers accountable and do the right thing when you have an officer who clearly should not be in a uniform and not say, well, you know, um, uh, because of this agreement we can't do this or, or whatever. I think let that process happen. If you have to go through an, an, an arbitrary or arbitration uh let that let that course happen but at least do everything you can to get rid of a uh, a bad officer or officers uh because as you see now the public is demanding change within policing and you know we've you know we've all said this you know this defund is not the right way to go that when dealing with uh, police officers because crime is going up, uh, and officers, uh, we need more officers to to protect our communities, but we don't need more officers to uh, to to go back in and and have this racist pattern and 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 violate people's civil rights when you put more police officers in the community. So. L.A., I think, you know, one of the main things is the fact that agencies, no matter what size you are, um, it, this is going to come upon police chiefs to be held accountable um, and, and, and get rid of those bad officers that they have within those agencies. And I want to point out that um, it's something that your colleague and co-host, Chief Humphrey, said there. Bad apples come in all races. I I, I wanted yeah. to make oh, yeah. that point because growing up in the hood like I did, we had more black police coming in harassing us than than others. And so, um, but I, I do want to make sure that we emphasize that, you know, the brothers ain't taking pictures and putting their knees on people deliberately. I mean, uh, uh, in a in a manner that they want to get caught on tape because we know. Any bad that comes in any of our careers, we're gonna get treated ten times worse than other other um, ethnic groups, other races. Um, Chief, before you go, you know what? Thank you for you. Go ahead. You know what? I just want to make this point, LA, and I think you know I, when it comes to how white officers look at things and how black officers look at things, I think you know, and just being real and realistic about it. You've got uh, a segment of white police officers who are saying Derek Chauvin should not have been convicted. Uh, 
Right. And when you so let's have, keep it real. Yeah. So when you have white officers who are saying that, that is that is a a big concern because how they're going to treat other other uh, black people in the communities that they serve. And so, you know, and but it. But one of the things that that really needs to change, L.A., uh, black police officers, this is a time for black police officers to hold white police officers accountable, not after the fact, but during the fact. And when we start seeing black police officers walk up to a white officer and say, hey, listen, hey, listen, man, that's not the way we operate. You're not going to treat this person this way. That is holding officers accountable. But we have to see that LA from black police officers to to their to their uh, to their white officers uh, in, the, in the same way. White officers do the same same thing to black police officers because, as we stated before, we've got some who are, don't always do the right thing. Uh, that's that's in the uniform as being black officers. Yeah, we're running out of time, but I want to make sure you uh, talk about your show briefly uh, and and what it's about and when people can listen once again, sir. Well, well, you know, our show comes on every Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on this on this great uh, network on the Bachelor News Radio Network with me and my co-host Chief Humphrey. Uh, we. Uh, we a law enforcement podcast show that's geared toward uh, talking with our listeners about uh, what's going on in the policing uh, uh, industry. So we just keep it real. So hopefully everybody will tune in and listen to us, L.A. And you and the law one is the Facebook page to check out uh, postings. You can ask questions, make comments. And folks, you actually can tell, listen, you can tell, you can say to Chief Green, listen, um, what if you talk about this? So you can make um, your topic requests there as oh, yeah. well. But, but Chief, listen, I uh, appreciate you, man. As I always tell you and Chief Humphrey, keep your head up, your head down at the same time. Y'all be blessed. Be careful. We will talk with you tomorrow at the time of this broadcast on the air, sir. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you, L.A.
my life like you before You make all my dreams come true
Show on the Bassin News Radio Network, WCOM in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Of course, also IBM TV, Big Mind Entertainment, and uh, StreamYard, and a host of other places. Uh, we thank you for joining us. Want to go right to the phone and, and bring in my guest, of course. Uh, always a pleasure to have him on, AFC uh, Roundup, uh, the natural voice in sportsawakening.com, amongst other uh, outlets. He's Mike Patton. And, Mike, I appreciate you coming on as always, sir. Thank you for having me. Good. want to start with the NBA um, finals. That A lot of people are talking about the matchup between two um, small market, you know, franchises, but certainly some, some, I think storylines here. You know, with Chris Paul, of course, not only making the conference finals, but finally getting to the NBA finals for a chance to win his first title. And then you look at both franchises who haven't been there for a long time. Of course, Milwaukee even longer. Uh, are are these the kind of storylines that you think will be? something or uh, that people want to tune in or it's just the NBA that the, 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 you know, the series has to progress for people to actually tune in. Well, I definitely think the uh, Chris Paul storyline is something to watch and something that will definitely uh, have people tuned in. Um, but also another thing that will have people tuned in is that um, Milwaukee has been close to getting over the hump for the last few years, but never got over it. And this year they finally got over the hump as well. So a lot of people will be thinking, who will be the first ring, Giannis or CP3? So that will be something to watch as well as the matchup between uh, Drew Holiday and CP3, which should be a wonderful matchup. Let's look at the two losers, if you will, in both uh, the uh, East and West. Start with the the East. Do you think if Trey Young didn't get hurt, because he clearly wasn't the same, that Atlanta – with the momentum they had, I know Middleton went off uh, a couple of games there, especially in this, this game six. But do you think that if they didn't have the injuries, they would have pulled off the upset against Milwaukee? Uh, I'm not for sure because uh, anytime Drew Holiday is that aggressive for the Milwaukee Bucks, they're a totally different team. So once he became aggressive, I don't think it would have mattered if Trey Young was more aggressive or not hurt or anything like that. I think the Bucks still would have won that series because he is essentially the key to their team, not Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. Right, and it's just saying Middleton stepped up offensively with uh, right. Giannis being being hurt with the with the knee. Uh, the the Clippers they just can't it, they <laughs> whether it's Doc Rivers there or not they just can't um, handle success. I mean they they play better when they're down. Uh, of course, having a chance to tie the series, they go in there and 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 lay an egg. I know Phoenix came out aggressive and they were making shots, but it's just with I can't figure this franchise out where. They have all the talent in the world, and they just can't seem to get over the hump. Well, one thing I, I think that gets lost, and you know, and everyone criticizing the Clippers is that they were doing this without 
without uh, Kawhi Leonard. They won the rest of the series without Kawhi Leonard, and they were hanging in the series with the best team in the Western Conference without Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard. So, you know, that's got to be uh, uh, the adjustments he was making uh, to kind of keep them in games at all times. Uh, with that being said, of course, you know, they ran out of juice when it came to game six. Uh, game five, it's almost like they, they basically handled business, but it's kind of like they gave everything they had in that game and didn't have enough to kind of finish it off over the top. And one other thing I want to talk about, too, um, Paul George. I know a lot of people will talk about, oh, pandemic peak, pandemic peak, those type of things, but he proved a lot to a lot of people uh, in the playoffs to me. Uh, he definitely handled his business. He did. You know, of course, the last game wasn't necessarily what he wanted, but I will say that uh, he showed a lot of things being the number one option for that team to me. Yeah. Yeah, he, he definitely stepped up and played well, and in particular because of, like you said, with Kawhi being out. So he, he had it. They just fell short. Talk with Mike Patton here on the Bachelor News Radio Show. Mike, let's let's look at the matchup. Um and before we get to your predictions and kind of break down, you know, some of the positions, when you look at the guard play, who has the advantage in this series? Okay, you got Book and CP3 on one side, and you've got Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. In that matchup, I'm definitely going to go with advantage sons in this one. You've got the, uh, the as people call him, the point guard in CP3. And you've got, uh, you know, one of the best shooting guards in the NBA in Devin Booker. Now, if uh, Chris Milton wasn't so inconsistent, it'd be probably closer. But he's just been so inconsistent in the playoffs, and along with Drew Holiday at times. So that matchup, that favors the, the uh, Suns. What about at the three and the four spot? Hmm. You got PJ Tucker and uh, well, hopefully Giannis if he's healthy, or Bobby T- Bobby Portis. And then for the Suns, you've got uh, Jay Crowder, and you've got uh, you got Bridges. Bridges and Bridges has been consistent, more consistent than Crowder, which is crazy. Um, you know, so that that makes it a pretty good matchup. But if Giannis is playing, I got to give that matchup to the Bucks. And then at at the five, I mean, Aiden has been really good. I mean, he's a high flyer, but who who you say would um, has the edge in that that matchup? I would say this uh, with Brooke Lopez. Uh, I would say I'd say Aiden still has the the um, the edge up in, in the match, matchup. However, when when Giannis was out, one thing we saw out of Brooke Lopez, he was attacking the paint more, uh, doing more things in there than he had been pretty much all season long. So if uh, Paint Lopez comes back, that can kind of even the matchups just a little bit more, but I still give the edge to the Suns. Coaching. Now, when you, you look at the coaching, these these are, these are uh, uncharted <clears throat> territories for, for both of these guys, but not just the head coach, but just the coaching staff who has the edge. Uh, as far as the matchup there, I would say Monty Williams has the edge. To be honest, uh, it seems like Coach Bud for the Bucks is kind of slow to make adjustments. And, you know, when he's forced into them, he all of a sudden makes them. But, you know, Monty Williams kind of makes that right, the right tinker at the right time. So I'll give the advantage to Monty Williams in this one. Just some coaching moves. We didn't uh, get a chance. I don't, I'm not sure if we got a chance to go over those. Um, 
But who's going to have the best success when you look at Jason Kidd going where he has Rick Carlisle going back to Indiana? And I'm missing another one here um, off the top of my head. But who do you think is equipped in terms of personnel uh, to to do well next year? Well, you know, you got Indiana Dokin in Boston. You got uh, Rick Carlisle right. in Indiana. And you got Chauncey Billups in Portland. Uh, to be honest, the one that's equipped with the most success would be uh, that would be Mr. Uh, Rick Carlisle, actually. Rick Carlisle's got all the pieces and all the tools to go along with what he needs. Uh, the thing that's uh, different about all of these is there's not as a ton of expectation going on in Indiana, and plus he's in the Eastern Conference. With Boston, there's a lot more expectation with the Indiana's situation, especially if they keep the stand pat and not, don't add to that team, or if they make a big trade, there's more expectation. Indiana, you can Rick Carlisle's been there before, knows the situation, and he can help grow that team even if they stand pat where they are. See, I I, I like the 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 talent there. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I I'm a big fan of Chauncey Billups. I just I think because of his, you know, he's he's been on the bench for a little bit. Um, his track record of being playing big and and especially obviously all those years bouncing around and and sticking in in um in Detroit um and getting it done i i just think that you know maybe he can bring out some of the, the even better uh the best not just in those that that great guard tandem they have but some of those other uh, players on you know on on the squad and and again Jason Kidd you know that's an interesting dynamic when you have a, a mega superstar there. Right, right. Uh, honestly, uh, look at that. And the crazy part is a lot of people were saying that um, there was issues in Dallas and uh, things like that. But a lot of people don't talk about that Jason Kidd was the person that Rick Carlisle recommended for that job, actually. So I don't think there is as many burn bridges as anybody as people want to say there is. Hmm. Let's, let's switch over to the uh, the um, Olympics. And, you know, a lot was said about LeBron not playing and all these other guys, AD, and, you know, they, they're resting. They've been hurt throughout the year, coming off an, uh, a turnaround season because of the bubble and, and COVID. So they're not playing. But, uh, I mean, the NBA is still the NBA. And when you look at the roster and Lillard and Booker and Tatum and Holiday and all these guys, Alibio, Draymond Green, they they have a you know the only one I think that may slow them down is Kevin Love, but other than that, mm-hmm. they, they got a lot of speed, a lot of athleticism, guys who can get their own shot. They're not tall, tall, but they they're they're pretty they're pretty darn good. They got a lot of good wing players, and then you look at a team like France where they got Rudy Gobert, so you know Batum out of uh, the Clippers and. Fournay from Boston, you know, they got some NBA players out there. Obviously, they look like they're a little more geared defensively. But what do you see with this USA uh, roster? They bring home the gold, and, and who, I mean, if you had a chance to look at some of the players that are going to some of these other squads, um, would be their toughest sort of out. Honestly, uh, I haven't had a chance to kind of go over the Olympic, uh, you know, rosters. But one thing that does alarm me is if Bam Adebayo gets in foul trouble inside, they're they're in a lot of trouble because then they're depending on Kevin Love, and 
there isn't any other big man outside of Kevin Love and Bam Adebayo. That's going to be a huge thing to watch, especially if they're going against uh, countries that are going to put their best big men out there. Then they might be in a little trouble there. Other than that, they can spread the floor, space the floor, and make big men come out. But, you know, they're going to punch them inside. That's going to happen. So, you know, while Kevin Love seems like a person that you can put out there and do different things and stuff like that, um, he can space the floor, but he's not a guy that's going to bang inside. He's just not going to do that. And that's why I'm a little hesitant to say, hey, they're going to win it because of those reasons, that reason alone. Well, if they lose it, um, there's going to be some questions. There's going to be some questions in terms of how the roster was put together. And and like you said, they, they're going fast and athletic. They're not going with size. And most of these uh, right. other teams like Argentina and Germany and, and even Nigeria, mm-hmm. Australia, they all have NBA players. France got a bunch of them. Right. So it's going to be interesting right. to see. Go ahead. Right, that's all I was saying. It, it just—it's going to be interesting to see how those uh, how those different teams kind of keep up with, uh, you know, either keep up with the United States or the United States keeps up with them. Right. Uh, I want to close with the the story that I'm sure you've already read and heard about. It, it's been all over social media, in particular, um, you know, some of the sports uh, social media spots there. This story with Rachel Nichols, who I'm not, I, I don't even know how she gets what she gets, but that's a whole another story. Uh, getting caught on audio tape, talking to uh, LeBron James' PR man, we'll get to that in a second, about essentially how she's getting a shaft um, from Miss Taylor, who's black, and Rachel Nichols, folks, if you don't know, she's white, getting upset having her caring moment because this black woman who's paid her, her, her dues, she's done basketball and football, that she's only got the position because ESPNA has a uh, racial diversity problem. I can attest to that. Um, and then B, the fact that, you know, because of that diversity problem, in particular women, they're giving this to her because she's a black woman. Um, you know, it, it, it's we talked about stuff like this all the time, Mike. The, the, this is the culture, uh, even in sports, and and the fact that whether Taylor's qualified or Rachel's not qualified, what what irritates me is that everybody wants to everybody of the European descent wants to play like they're liberal until something they feel is taken away from them, their sense of entitlement, um, their sense of I'm white and you're not, so I'm supposed to get the position. And it goes on even amongst women. Women are at the bottom of the totem pole. Black women are way under the totem pole. And this girl who's been doing all this stuff, Rachel Nichols, been doing all this stuff forever with the ESPN and other outlets, gets upset because she doesn't have the NBA countdown and halftime position to a person who was already doing it anyway. So I want you to chime in on this and how it's playing out. She, of course, at the time of this broadcast, Rachel Nichols apologized yet again. She reached out um, to Ms. Taylor. She 
Ms. Taylor never responded, so she apologized on her show today. Um, but apology not accepted. You know, um, you said mm-hmm. what you wanted to say and believed. You just got caught. Now you want to apologize. Mm-hmm. You just got caught. And it's something internally that's been going on uh, at the mouse for a long time. I work there. I have friends that work there. And it's been going on for so long, so I'm not surprised. But what, what's your thoughts on this story and how it plays out? Well, honestly, uh, the one part you did miss, though, is you did miss her kind of laughing when talking about right. uh, at the end of that, talking about the um, talking about Black Lives Matter and, and, and you know inequality. You, you missed that part about her laughing about that at the end. But you know, right. just to me. You know, it, it, it just further reinforces to me, hey, you know, people can do good things, but, you know, you have to you, – people can do good things, but then again, you also have to think what are the methods for, for behind doing those good things as well. Are they doing it truly because they're a good person? Are they doing it truly because they want to appear as a good person? In this situation, it appears like she was doing it because she wants to appear like she was a good person. Now, who's the, I'm not to say that she can't – uh, rehab her personality or whatever, whoever she is, but this is always going to be a stain. Um, also, what people have to remember, too, is there's a certain thing called deposits and withdrawals. Now, deposits uh, and withdrawals don't have just to do with the bank. Withdrawals and deposits have to do with life, too. So if you say if something happens and you leave a stain, that's a huge withdrawal, and it takes a lot of deposits to fix a huge withdrawal. So now her bank's at, at empty right now. She's probably at one cent. It's going to take a long time for her to, uh, you know, fill those deposits up to get back to where she was or to even think to get back to where she was. And that's not – and a lot of people, that will never happen. So that's something she's going to have to live with. Um, as far as, uh, you know, ESPN and the different things there, uh, I find it ironic that with her apology, she had Kendrick Perkins and Richard Jefferson sitting right there beside her, uh, and she didn't really apologize about the entire situation to me. Right. So I'm like, she said mm, she basically might like, like, like she was she was sounding like she she essentially said, if I offended you, I'm sorry. Not right. about the whole thing. And like you said, laughing at the end, she did. that, And that's the That's the thing. She still doesn't get it because she doesn't want to. She said on that tape and laughed on that tape. Because that's how she felt. How dare they give it to her? I'm white. You're not. How I'm supposed to get that job? I, I'm right. I'm I'm Rachel Nichols. She's not. And now you want to mm-hmm. backtrack and, and all that? It, no, I'm not buying it. Right, right. It just to me, it, it's a bad look for. Her. It definitely is a bad look for, her, and it's going to take time for her to rehab her image. Uh, which you know, in songs that will that will that will. You know, and me, I don't necessarily hold grudges forever. I do remember things, but I don't hold grudges forever. But, you know, that always will, you know, you always take every, anything that somebody says when they've done something, you always take it with a grain of salt and always uh, watching your back to make sure that, you know, you covered all your bases and covered yourself as well. That's right. Like real real quick, um, LeBron, I'm, I'm assuming, is going to chime in because his PR person yet again once again this is a guy not only is his pr guy but he's worked with lebron on blm and other uh, social causes 
helping them, believing it and all that. And yet he's saying, I'm all tired out from BLM and black, you know, black lives matter and all this. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of tired out uh, from that. See, showing his true colors. He's on tape too. So it's going to be interesting, Mike, it, you know, how that will play out with LeBron and him. Yeah. Is LeBron's going to completely forgive him or he's going to say, Oh, we made mistakes or let him go. I mean, how do you think it plays out? Honestly, I think it'll be quietly done. If anything is done, it'll be quietly done. So, uh, you know, that's that's uh, that's the issue with me. It, it'll probably end up happening. It'll be quietly done. It won't be something that everybody will know about until way after it's done, just to be quite honest. Mm. Well, like I said, people showing it that, boy, what, just imagine what was said and done Without social media, without these phones and audio uh, tapings right. that people <laughs> imagine what's been going on. You, you and I, we know what's been going on. The world is just getting a piece of it, you know, in, in different parts. One last thing on a side note, we see, I don't know if it's official yet, but I, I understood that Reggie Theus, former NBA player, it's supposed to be the new head coach and I think AD at Bethune-Cookman College. Of course, Bethune just moved to the SWAC conference along with FAMU. Uh, once again, he is not certainly, um, you know, Deion Sanders, but he is an NBA player, played for a long time. So he's bringing that to an HBCU school. Again, is this the trend we see both in football and in basketball, these high-profile um, players and athletes and people uh, going to HBCUs to coach? Well, honestly, it's, this one kind of threw me off a little bit. I did not expect this one. So um, when I saw it, I was like, okay, cool. You know, it's definitely something interesting. Um, it's definitely something that's going to boost the profile at school. Uh, the one thing I, I wonder is, can he get the players? Are players going to come from, you know, the University of Florida and things like that to come there? Because there is a lot of great basketball players in the state of Florida prior to this step. So, you know, definitely is going to be uh, interesting. And, I, and I definitely the, the bigger part of this, I think, is the athletic director role. Can he manage a program? Can he get people in the seats? Can he do the right, get the right connections? That'll be a huge part. And, you know, definitely – will continue to help in the trend if that's the case. And and you're, you're absolutely right. Can you juggle both? Can you come into right. this position and be the coach and then, you know, handle all the um, administrative and 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 even some in some cases disciplinary stuff that ha- takes place in any administration at any given point. Can you handle? Can you juggle all those and be successful in both places and help that institution? in those places. Mike, before you go, talk about your show. Um, and we need to get um, the podcast, um, your Warren Moon interview podcast, um, a, a copy of it at least, or a sample of it uh, on our, our website. But talk about your show and how uh, folks can reach out to you, sir. All right. You can uh, reach out to me on uh, Twitter at MikePad82. Uh, if you're on a uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any of those places. My show, Touring the ASC South, every Thursday comes out, and you never know who can stop through. It could be just me. It could be somebody with me. You never know until you tune in. Like Once again, that's Touring the ASC South. And also, you can catch me on um, 
Nashville Voice, uh, Tennessee Tribune, and, and, and plenty of other places <laughs> as well. And you know the the one one thing I like about you is that you you you're a great writer, um, and you get good intel. So usually when you're talking about it, it's, it's probably going to happen. And so we appreciate that you're always dropping breaking news and stuff. And we appreciate you, Mike. Say hello to the family. Thank you, man. Be be well in your travel, and I'll talk with you next week, sir. Before you before you let me go, man, I'm going to sure. make prediction. Suns and six, man. Oh, that's right. Suns and six. If, yep. if even if Giannis, if Giannis plays, even if Giannis plays, Suns and six. Let me ask you this, because uh, I asked you this with uh, Kawhi and CP3 in that series, who can they not afford to lose? CP3 with Phoenix or Giannis completely with the Bucks? Uh, I'd be Giannis completely with the Bucks. Okay. See, I just think CP3. Um, they struggled, and and you saw with Devin Booker, they struggled a little bit, and they they lost two out of three when he struggled. And then when he's on, I mean, he dropped forty one. How many times you see him drop forty one? Uh, and they won going away. So, you know, we'll see if, if that's the case. Hopefully, Giannis can play, and then there's no excuses uh, from Milwaukee fans or anything if they do lose. Um, then say you know our best player wasn't wasn't there. Mike, I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Mike Patton, always good to have him on on the Bass News Radio Show on the Bass News Radio Network. Stay tuned. Great day, everyone. I am Elder Janelle Strickland, host of the Life Cafe radio broadcast from Maximizing Life Family Worship Center. I invite you to tune in every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in, maximize your life with the Word of God, and be blessed. Only on the Bachelor News Radio Network. broadcast you go to the bachelor news airtime.pro check out the schedule there you'll find the bachelor news radio show there at the bachelor news airtime.pro or you can listen at tunein.com as well and you i mean we're everywhere spotify all over the place don't forget you can catch the tv version of our show too uh at big my entertainment on Fire Stick and Roku. You download the Big Mind Entertainment uh, app, and you'll see my ugly mug up there uh, doing the broadcast. Want to go to the phones and uh, bring in a, a, a young lady who's uh, 
kicked off a, a show. This will be her third broadcast, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's a show about uh, self-love and uh, relationships and, and, and knowing yourself, as she can correct me. Uh, additionally, if I'm wrong, uh, of course, the show is called Emerging Ease, and the host is Lakeisha Lewis Vick. Lakeisha, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate you for having me. Um, yeah, the show is about uh, self-love, bettering yourself, and that does branch over into relationships. Um, with that being said, it's to get get yourself into a place to where you're able to um, go in in a in a more full whole state, go into a relationship that way instead of going in and broken jagged rough pieces and expecting somebody else to kind of soften soften you up and and pull you together so that way you can attract someone else that's whole and you can have a whole mm. relationship i want to ask you you were on the line i was uh talking about a story it's uh sports related but it does speak to the discrepancies in um even with women of color and non-women of color as it relates to, um, you know, getting ahead and, 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 you know, you're being a professional and you're in the same field in the same boat. Um, and the Karens always seem to run, went out. That's just my opinion. And then you can look at the data and it shows it. the black women are, are, um, not as respected and not as, um, appreciated, um, in the work, the workforce. Um, just from a standpoint of how Maria Taylor, who's the, the black woman who Rachel Nichols, a white woman, was talking about how she deserved the, the job, how does she, how should she react to this? And and does it do anything to your um, your psyche at all? when this is a big story and you're in the center of it because you're a black woman, because you're doing all these great things and you're being attacked essentially by this white woman because she feels like you took her job. Right. Um, well, first of uh, let me address the, the, the impact that that could possibly be having on her. Of course it's, it's an impact, especially if, um, a person is on the up and up, and they're trying to just do their best for someone to um, be so condescending. It's very hurtful. Now, it's totally up to her how she responds. I would hope it's in a way that's very, um, very, very classy. Because the thing that I've learned in my career is that when you come when you come back at people who are interacting with you like that in a very classy manner. Um, it takes all the wind out of their sail. And then they have absolutely no uh, ammo to say, well, see, this is why I said that. Because often people will uh, use a negative response, even though we feel like, hey, it's just, you know, you you started all of this, so now I'm going to go ahead and finish it. But um, just don't even feed into it. I'm sure it, it probably is hurtful, but I hope she uses that hurt in a positive way to push her to do even better. So then it takes the rest of the wind and the uh and the boat out from under uh the woman that said those horrible things about her. Because that's very unprofessional of anything 
that should show anyone that she goes to work with in the future how she interacts when she does not get her way. Well, that's why you're in the field that of where you are, and I'm not, because I need a minute before I'm I'm forgiving and responding, because something may come out of my mouth. Uh, you know me in a short time. Something may come out of my mouth that I uh, probably shouldn't have said that, and I need I need a chance to take a step back. And I'm sure Maria Taylor is doing that, um, and she'll respond. She's a professional. I'm sure she'll respond. And you kill them with kindness, as you're saying, you know. Uh, they can't come back from that. What are you, what's she going to say now? And, and you know, she's going to have to deal with that uh, moving forward in this climate. You would think um, Rachel Nichols will have to that – will, that will be a spot where if she leaves ESPN, it's going to be something that her next employer is going to be looking at. You made these comments. We don't know if we want to take – take you on because of that in this climate what do you have uh coming up what are you going to be talking about uh in the next uh 10 minutes or so uh well actually today we're going to start talking about setting boundaries personally and then we'll move forward next week into setting boundaries um more like in the workplace with family with friends but personal boundaries right now okay well Folks, you're going to be listening. You can listen at 646-929-0130. And you can listen live at our website, thebachelornews.airtime.pro, thebachelornews, bachelor with a T, dot airtime.pro, uh, shortly. Uh, Lakeisha, we're looking forward to it. Uh, stand by. All right. It's be coming up in just a few. Again, it's Emergent Ease. Very good show. Very good content, very good platform, and you'll get to hear it in just a few. In just a few. This is the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, WCOM in Chapel Hill, IBM TV, Big Fine Entertainment, and the Bachelor News Radio Network.
Some people have expressed to me 
You know, it's difficult for me to even tell people that I don't know the word no. And we'll get to that soon. We'll get to that soon enough. So um, stress is connected to uh, boundary setting because poor boundaries and not asserting boundaries opens us all up to increase negative stress, which last week we talked about is distress. And that's the stress we do not want to maintain at all. So, therefore, it begins a cycle of increased discord physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. As you'll see in everything that I talk about, I'll always talk about it on the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual level. Because at all times, all four of those are working together in all of us to help us um, move forward in life. The thing is, if we have a lot of stress, which is distress, uh, going on in any area, whether it's mental distress, it's going to slow down your emotional uh, connection, it's going to slow down your physical, and it's definitely going to slow down your spiritual. So you have to be mindful. Even one slowdown in one area slows down all four areas uh, with our with how we interact with others as well as how we focus on ourselves. So to actively interrupt uh, the stress of poor boundaries, which causes distress, we must decide uh, and determine what boundaries we need, express uh, what they are, decide to enforce those boundaries, and walk them out. You can't sit and put the whole plan together and go get the lumber, but you don't ever put a nail in a board to start building the the walls of the house. You have to be able to uh, put it all together and be okay with self in that you are valuable enough that your boundaries matter. You're, it, it, it matters that people respect you and interact with you in certain ways, okay? And we'll talk, get into that more as we talk today. Um, one of the first boundary types I want to talk about is time boundaries. Oftentimes, we have such busy lives between work, family, children, activities, wanting to travel, maybe several jobs, we don't ever make time for self. It is very, very important that we take time out of the day. For So there's 24 hours in the day, 24 whole hours. If you're asleep for a fourth of that, you're at work for half of it, that only gives you a fourth left in the day. Now, in that whole um, in that whole time, in that whole uh, uh, what six hours left, uh, I'm not saying spend that whole time focused on self. Put in there some interactions with other people. Put in there some time uh, with family. Um, put in there some time to read something. To to just think outside of um, work. Also, put at least an hour a day in there, Whether, no matter how you have to break it up, for self-time, for a time to focus exclusively on yourself, to even think about what boundaries do I need to put in place? What boundaries um, would be healthy for me? What boundaries do I need? And that's another word I wanna want us to kind of add in to our vocabulary because um Many times, men and women that I've talked to, they have concerns with using the word need. And we need many things, okay, as people. It's okay to say you need something. It doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean 
you're incapable or limited or anything like that. But we are here on this earth together because we need each other. If you didn't need anybody, you'd have just existed out of thin air and you'd be on this earth by yourself enjoying all the awesomeness by yourself. So therefore, since you're not, we need each other. Um, Another boundary that's a personal boundary that does kind of delve over into the other boundaries we'll talk about in the future is physical boundaries. Physical boundaries are physical proximity to others. What are you okay with how close physically you allow people to get to you? Okay, we're not talking about mentally close or emotionally close or spiritually close. This is specifically physically close. How physically close can people get it, get to you? How do you set up your physical timeline? Like, for instance, I would hope you're not running out just giving hugs to random strangers, just running up to them in Walmart. You know, everything happens in Walmart. And so when we decide what those physical boundaries are like, what time limits we give ourselves to feel safe, because that's the purpose of all the boundaries we'll be talking about. It's for personal safety to feel like you're safe physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually in your interactions with other people, as well as how you care for self. Um, physical boundaries include sexuality. Oh, shoot. She just said it. Yes, I did. I brought up the S word again, because that is part of us um, as people. Um, your sexuality, how you choose to sexually interact with people, how you choose to uh, share your personal space. Now, personal space doesn't just mean your body, but your personal space is also your domain, okay? Um, For example, my personal space is my home. I know many people. I have many friends. I can go out and eat lunch with everybody, but it's only a very few, and I didn't realize this until one of my friends actually told me, you don't invite a lot of people over to your house. And I was like, I, yeah, I do. And I had to think about it. I was like, no, I really don't. And I had to realize, because that's my safe place. I don't want a lot of people in my safe place. Not that they would, the people that I identify as friends, not that they would be harmful, but that's just my place where I can go unwind. I can put shoes all over, do whatever, and that's my place. Now, it's not to say that people cannot come into wherever your safe place is, as long as you identify them as a person that's safe and not toxic, which we'll talk about a lot in the future. Um, Conversational boundaries. Um, This is about what you feel is appropriate for you in, in your verbal interactions with people. Now, with the reason I put conversational right after physical is because communication is not just verbal, it's also physical. Because if you notice, which is a lot of the reason why people were having so much uh, discord and distress during COVID and the separation is when we talk to each other, we're not just listening to the words. We're listening to the tone of our voice. We're watching people's body language. That's how we communicate. A lot of things were kind of thrown off when all you could hear was a voice or you could just see them just a little bit on Zoom. Or if they even were live on on the video portion, because some people would just put up a picture and talk to you. That's not helpful at all. So that that conversational boundary is what you open yourself to discuss. How far into your personal life do you open up to people? 
And that's going to have a lot of different levels and layers because to our close friends, to our close family, we usually open up a lot more. To people at work, not so much, okay? And it's kind of putting those boundaries into place. Um, Also deciding uh, what kind of things are off limits to you as far as is it okay to kind of uh, gossip just a little bit, you know, spill a little tea, throw a little shade, what's going on? What are we doing? Um, but we have those limits that we put on ourselves. Um, relationship limits is super, 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 super important. Um, one second. I think I got a question in. Let's hear it. L.A., are you going to read the question for me? Yeah, yep. I just wanted to. Um, I didn't see if you saw that. I, I uh, you have two questions, uh, okay. Keisha, and I want to. The first one, sort of a paragraph. Uh, with all due respect, she said her name is Madeline. So I'll read this to you. You can you can address them back to back, or you can address one at a time. Uh, she says she's always prided herself in being a quote. She put nice girl. She said as a child she was taught that being kind to others was a virtue. She grew up paying special attention to positive feedback she received for being nice and pleasing to others. She derived, she said, much of her self-worth from putting the feelings and needs of other people well above her own. She says she can't she could not understand why her coworkers dumped extra work on her, why her family constantly intruded on her personal space, and why men who she had dated years ago continued trying to be a part of her life, even after she told them uh, she had started seeing someone else. She got stressed and she got bummed out and she and burnt out, I'm sorry. Um and so she's asking, you know, how does she sort of reevaluate or um, do a, a rewind in terms of having a stronger boundaries or stronger personal space. Charles in Denver said, you know, his, his girlfriend doesn't um, appreciate or respect his personal space. He said anytime she needs a break or she wants to be on her own or do her own thing, he respects that. When he does it, she gets upset. He says, how does he handle that? So those are the two questions for you. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. So first, I will, um, because we'll be going to break in a hot second. So I'll start with uh, Madeline since she was first, and then we'll probably come back and continue with yours, Madeline. Okay. So with being a nice girl, there is absolutely nothing wrong with being a nice girl, being a nice person, being a nice woman. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But sometimes... Um, that that has an underlying of you are not supposed to tell people no. That is a total, total tale. Telling people no does not make you mean. It means that you are saying that I'm not able to and or willing to do this thing or to interact with you at this level. It is completely okay to tell people no. And the thing with that no is it never has to be qualified. When you tell people no, if they say, hey, can you come over and help me uh, move from this house to the other house? No. And leave it at that. You don't have to say, oh, because I have to work, because I have this, because I have that. Because what people will do, as you've probably seen in your life, Madeline, is they'll help you figure out how to get over there and be able to help. And then you've taken away all boundary that you tried to assert because you put it in quicksand. 
Oh, well, no, because I have to work. Well, what time do you get off work? I get off at 5. Well, come over at 5.30. Well, okay. And it's all because we don't stick with what we really want to say is no. Being kind to others does not mean that you don't have boundaries. You have to be kind to yourself in order to be kind with toward others. That is also how you keep focus on and limit your burnout. Because um, when you're constantly telling people yes when you mean no, and you're constantly going and pushing for everyone else, where do you come in? Because if you poured out all of your energy and all of your focus on everybody else's world, where is your focus for your own self? Because nobody's going to turn the corner and say, oh, since you focused so much on me and did this for me, then I'm going to pour and do all that for you. No, they're like, hey, all of my needs are met. So we're going to uh, go to break right quick. Um, Thank you for tuning in to Emerging Ease with Tisha on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Your mother-in-law just dropped in. It's dinner time, and she looks hungry. Time for a quick dinner. Think fast. Think eggs. Like an omelet with tomatoes and cheese. Quick, easy, delicious. So, she loves dinner, compliments your creativity, and finally admits you're not a shameless social climber who stole her baby boy away. All thanks to the incredible edible egg. For other quick dinner, lunch, and snack ideas, visit aeb.org. The incredible edible egg. The American Egg Board. to Emerging Ease with uh, Keisha. Just want to remind folks, 646-939-0130, the number. If you want to reach, you have a question or comment, I will be screening the calls on the line, so you'll hear silence. They'll ask you that question or comment. You say, no, I'll put you back on hold. If you have one, you can tell me, and we'll get it uh, to Keisha as soon as possible before we run out of, of time. And, of course, you can listen to the rebroadcast at TuneIn.com. And, of course, at uh, Pro. Keisha, got another question that came in and, and said is, um, is uh, and I know you have that other question, but are passive-aggressive people, um, you know, weak in terms of their personal boundaries and, and, and their, their personal space? Okay. All right, let me finish Madeline, then we'll get to Charles, because Charles and the passive-aggressive, may be able to be touched at the same time. Um, I want to touch on uh, self-worth because a lot of us have put our self-worth in how other people interact with us, how they express appreciation for us, and that is very dangerous because the minute you tell someone no and they become upset with you, then it impacts you because you put so much uh, value on what their opinion of you is. So, uh, Madeline, for one, practice telling people no. We'll continue to go through um, the other types of boundaries, but that's a, that's something that I even have my clients to do, look in the mirror and say the word no, and then think about how you feel about it. Because when I'm in group session and, and we go around the room and we do that, my, my one famous line is, uh, now, you didn't die, so how do you feel? Because many times we put so much weight and excess on the word no that we keep ourselves from saying that. 
Now, Charles, with your girlfriend and impeding into your personal space, you have to look at why do you allow it? When you say, hey, I want to go hang out and have some me time or go do whatever it is, and she says, oh, I'll just come along. Why not just say, no, I need this time just for me. It's, you know, just like you have time for you, I need time for me because that is very um, stressful uh, to any relationship if you are constantly in each other's personal space all the time. As we have found out, again, with COVID, um, I hate to say it, and it's a horrible statistic, but domestic violence went up exponentially during COVID because people were stuck in the house together and they were with each other all the time. I'm not saying that that's an excuse for domestic violence, but with when people already do not have appropriate communication skills and don't know how to manage their own emotions appropriately, it will come out in, in such horrible behavior, horrible acts. So it's, it's okay to tell her, hey, I need this space. Because in, if you feel like the relationship would be shaken by saying, hey, I need to go here, I want to go jog, or I want to go sit out in the park by myself, then is that really a, a stable relationship? You have to kind of ask yourself those questions. Why is there concern with you going out? It's okay for you to be at peace. Matter of fact, it's necessary for you to be able to be at peace without people there. Now, with, but Charles, do it in a nice way. Just don't just say, hey, I told you no, you're not coming with me. Do it in an appropriate way. You don't want to tear up your relationship. Um, with passive aggressiveness seeming as a form of um, weakness, the reason passive aggressive kind of comes about for many is because with with the want to say no, there's also a, a concern or a fear of what happens when I say no. For the passive aggressive comes up, instead of saying, I assertively have a problem, then it's the kind of underhanded comment or the underhanded action where you're actually expressing frustration in a way that you can always kind of hide your hand from. So it's kind of like um, an example I've given, given during uh, anger management or batteries intervention courses. Passive aggressive would be if you have something wrong with your food at a restaurant and the waiter comes over and comes over and, oh, yes, everything's fine. It's great. But then you toss the whole salad on the floor because something's wrong with your food. You never said anything, so the problem's never been identified. And guess what? In that passive aggressiveness, that problem or the issue that you're having stays there. So not opening up to say this is a concern or an issue for me, that's that's hurtful only to you and to your interaction with other people because that waiter comes back and that waiter's like, dang, this person's rude, just eating all over the table, throwing stuff everywhere, and they still don't ever know the problem. So nothing's going to be fixed if you go back to that same restaurant, that same problem's still going to be there. If you have an interaction with the person and you never tell them, this is a concern for me, this is an issue, that issue and that concern is going to stay there. There's never a fairy tale to interact with people to say, oh, they're always going to know or they should know. Because remember, we said we're going to throw shit away, throw it in the trash, take it to the dumpster. They should know what to do. They should know what to say. They should know what frustrates me. 
No one should know anything. If you don't tell them, how should they know? Also, we have to look at, we as people, we change and evolve constantly. The thing I don't like today may not even bother me tomorrow, may not even be a thought in a month. So how is someone supposed to keep up with that if you don't tell them? And that's how you keep any interaction with a person fresh and appropriate. Hey, this was a problem for me. The way you said that or the way you did this or, you know, when I needed needed this and I expressed it and you didn't do it, that was a problem for me. So we'll, we'll get into more of the expression and the interaction, especially with boundaries, because communication and boundaries goes hand in hand. Communication, open, appropriate, and honest communication is so necessary, especially if you're in a long-term relationship, because you have to look at, if you're in a long-term relationship with this person, why wouldn't you tell them exactly what you don't like and what you do like? So then it's easier for you in the interaction, and in their interaction with you. They're not always guessing. Also, why wouldn't you do that for self to say, hey, I put this out there. If this person chooses not to respect that because it's a boundary, now I know how to choose to interact with them. Either I limit my time in interaction with them or I end it all together because then that's, that's how you get to kind of control toxicity and toxic interaction. I hope those uh, those questions were addressed through my response. If not, let me know, and I can give you some more. Um, on personal boundaries, oh, no, I wanted to talk about moral boundaries because many times we as people use religion, spirituality, morals, kind of um, all in a big lump, and they, they, they don't necessarily go together. Um, with your morals, this is um, how you interact with others and um, how you allow people to interact with you, okay, to be able to identify this interaction is hurtful to me. It's okay to say something that's hurtful, okay? It's okay to say, um, I don't like something. I don't like this interaction. I don't like those words you're using. I don't like those behaviors. Because what it does is it gives a clear and undeniable boundary for you and that other person. Now, with saying that you don't like something, you also get to address why. And sometimes um, things are concerned, like certain groups of words go together and you, you get offended, but that's not offensive to someone else. Um, this goes with um, the moral boundaries. You have to look at what is good and appropriate for you as a person. What's going to help you grow? What's going to help you become better? And that's going to be reinforced with your open, honest, appropriate uh, communication with other people. Um. On emotional boundaries, this one is very, very difficult at times, uh, many people, is because we do not usually pass, oh, let's say elementary, talk about anything except for happy and sad. That's it. Sometimes we as women, we throw in about five more emotions in there, but that's, that's it. There's, there's a range of 
emotions because not all emotions have the same intensity. Some are more intense, some are less intense. Some stay longer, some don't don't stay as long. So with emotional boundaries, we have to learn to tune in to self. That's going to cause you to use at least that hour a day to think about, how am I feeling? What am I thinking? Why am I feeling like this if it's not a feeling I, I like? I don't like feeling frustrated or, like, discombobulated. What's, what's going on? Why am I feeling like this? And to be honest with yourself, because setting these personal boundaries um, helps you tune into being able to say to self, hey, I don't, I don't like where I'm at right now. What do I need to do it? do to get out of it. Um, Our emotions are very important. The reason we have emotions is because they kind of are like um, kickstarts to tell you, hey, this is good. We like this. Hey, this is not so good. We don't like this. Now, with that, when our emotions are in the appropriate place, they're not the driver of who we are and how we interact with people, but they do give us cues on is this good for us? Is this not good for us? Okay. So when you get around someone and you just kind of get this feeling of unease, let's say, um, now it's the time for you to kind of look at why am I feeling uneasy around this person? Is it because they're new and I have not invested enough time to get to know them? Is it because something they've done that I have not said anything about? So therefore I'm violating my own personal boundary. Um, bothers me, and so therefore, I'm just gonna keep living in this unease. If I, if it's a person I have to continue to interact with, like if it's a family member or uh, someone you work with, and therefore you end up quitting the job because you're mad and you never said anything to anybody. I think I just heard some toes being stepped on, but uh, I'm gonna keep going. Um, emotional uh, boundaries also help to limit and identify what your emotional triggers are. Um, With emotional triggers, those come from uh, things that can be difficult for us to deal with as well as and up to the level of being traumatic, okay? Emotional triggers can be almost anything, depending on how it impacted us and the time in which it impacted us. We have to be very, very mindful of that. So think about... um, if you're having an interaction with someone and a difficult emotion comes up, you're like, I don't, you know, this conversation was going okay. What kind of thoughts or memory is this triggering for you? Because maybe that situation or that interaction or something someone said is starting to trigger that. Um, for instance, uh, an example of this would be um, I would tell groups all the time the way I grew up and where I grew up um, when someone would say, well, what you need to do is, that was always the beginning of conflict. So even into adulthood, um, I say adulthood, my, my mid-20s, late-20s, I, I guess that should be adult. It's legally adult, I'll say that. Uh, might not have been mentally there. But I still would, if someone would say that, I would still kind of get into, okay, we're going to have a whole argument. My demeanor would change. My, my words would change. But then when I realized that phrase was a trigger for me, I would explain to people, you know, can we can can you say that to me in a different way? And then I had to also challenge myself to see it in a different way and to really be realistic in the situation. If 
someone that's not from where I grew up is speaking to me, they have a whole different meaning with that term than how I'm perceiving it, okay? And so we always have to be in challenge of ourselves and be open with other people. So then that way we can have the most with our boundaries and the way we interact with other people. Um, the next boundary I'm going to just kind of touch on a little bit because we're going to continue with boundaries because we have a lot more to kind of unravel about it. It's financial boundaries. Oh, sure. Yep, I said it, financial. Many of us learned during COVID that all we wanted to do was get on Amazon or get on DoorDash or get on Uber Eats and just everything, just, it's instant, instant, instant. And that instant gratification is so, so, so unhealthy for, for all of us on so many different levels. So I won't break the financial boundary yet. That's just either. But um, we have to be mindful in our interactions being purposeful. Every, every, every single thing we do needs to be very purposeful. And with purpose, not hurtful, but purposeful. Remind, remember, don't say anything to someone uh, in a way that you wouldn't want them to say it to you. Because you can't be hurtful to them and then turn around and expect them to be positive towards you. Um, also, I want to let you guys know that the rebroadcast is on the bachelornews.airtime.pro uh, or tunein.com. Um, and also, um, you can get in touch with me at any time on emergingease at gmail.com. Or, like I said, go search the uh, Facebook group Emerging Ease uh, on Facebook. So I want to thank you for tuning in today. I hope today's discussion has been and will continue to be helpful in your life's journey. Uh, you've been listening to Emerging Ease with Keisha on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you for taking such a time as this to participate in your personal improvement with Emerging Ease. I'm Keisha, your host. Remember that in everything, there's an opportunity to learn and grow. If you are experiencing a difficult time, please reach out to the National Crisis Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. And I look forward to hearing from you next week on Emerging Ease with Keisha.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.